0: Don't wait. Visit Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save.
1: The Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell is largely an opinion talk show. And good evening, one and all, and welcome to the X-Zone. My name is Rob McConnell, and we're coming to you from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. If you would like to uh, visit us online, www.XZoneRadioTV.com on all social media sites, x Radio TV. And you can always listen to us, 724-365 at www.XZoneRadioTV.com. My guest this hour is Preston Dennett, and Preston began investigating UFOs and in the paranormal uh, when he was uh, discovering that his family, friends, and coworkers were having dramatic, unexplained encounters. And Preston, tell us more about what got you into the UFO scenarios.
2: Yeah, I was really skeptical, actually. Did not believe in UFOs, mm-hmm. really, at all. Uh, heard about a sighting on the news in 1986, about right. a sighting over Alaska. And uh, didn't believe it, but made the mistake of kind of asking my family, friends, and coworkers mm-hmm. what they thought of this pilot. And uh, yeah, got a real shock. Uh, found out a lot of people I knew were having really amazing encounters, and that uh, sh- really shook me up. Was not good news.
1: Now, now, Preston, have you yourself ever had your own experience?
2: You know, I have. Not until I started investigating this stuff. Uh, but almost immediately after I started really getting to UFOs, mm-hmm. going, going down to the meetings and subscribing to magazines and interviewing people, right? Um, I, I started going out to the fields that people said that they were seeing in the places, hot spots, and, and uh, yeah, I started to see stuff. I've had a number of sightings over the years of unexplained lights and a few that were much more than that, I think.
1: Preston, over the years, you've written books entitled "UFOs Over Arizona," "Not Here, Not From Here," Volume One and Two, "UFOs Over Nebraska," "UFOs Over Mexico," "Ghosts of Greater Los Angeles," "Bigfoot, Yeti, and Other Ape Men," "UFOs Over New York," "Aliens and UFOs," "The Concordo Island UFO Incident," "Human Levitation," "Supernatural California," "UFOs Over California," and just just to name a few. Why do you think there is still, here we are in the year 2016, so much enthusiasm, so much interest in the uh, the UFO phenomenon?
2: Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Um, it continues to be one of the most popular subjects on the internet. Mm-hmm. And uh, always there's a TV show or two going on about this. It's a mystery. It's a really persistent and perplexing mystery that's sort of really elusive. It's It's hard to solve. We don't know where these guys are coming from. You know, it's,
1: it's perplexing to say the least.
2: Yeah, and there's a lot to it. I mean, as the number of witnesses grow, mm-hmm. as the m- amount of evidence continues to grow, it becomes a more and more uh, kind of volatile situation. If there's a cover-up, and I think there is, mm-hmm. um, that's another whole area of UFO research that's really volatile and changing right now. You know,
1: based on the experience that you have had talking to UFO witnesses, having experienced one your, yourself, is there a common thread between the type of people that have these experiences, or is it a wide spectrum?
2: Um, it's a wide spectrum. I actually did a statistical analysis of all the cases of the people I've interviewed, mm-hmm. and I was surprised to find out I was actually evenly decided, divided between men and women. Right. So there was nothing there. I couldn't find anything on education or religion or race. Mm-hmm. There was some aspect to where a person lived. There was a lot of things in suburbs and things like that.
1: Is is there any one part of the United States that is more prone to having UFO sightings than another?
2: Yeah, there are definitely hot spots, five or ten well-known hot spots. But it's my guess mm-hmm. that every state or area, every region kind of has their area that is more active than another area. And the UFOs are known to be attracted to certain things. Bodies of water, mines, Hmm. graveyards, things like this. Listen, Preston, you and I have to take, we've
1: got to take our first uh, commercial break. Please stand by. Exxon Nation, my guest this hour is Preston Dennett. His website is www.prestondennett.weebly. And all books by Preston are available on his website or from Amazon. This is The X-Zone. I am Rob McConnell. We're coming to you live from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada on the Mutual Broadcast Network and the X-Zone Broadcast Network and, of course, Talkstar Radio Network. And uh, Preston and I will be back on the other side of this commercial break as we continue from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. Welcome back everyone. Preston Dennett is our guest this hour and his website is www.prestondennett.weebly.com. Um years ago Preston, when you and I first tar- started talking many years ago, alien abductions were talked about. Cattle mutilation were talked about. Um alien abductions were talked about. Um chupacabra were talked about. It seems that there are certain areas of the UFO phenomenon that have Kind of quell themselves down. Um, for example, do you still get reports of cattle mutilation and alien abductions?
2: Um, cattle mutilations, not so much. You know, I've never really gotten a whole lot of those. Uh, not, I guess, you know, here in Southern California, don't have a whole lot of uh, cattle fields and stuff like that. And uh, but as far as abductions, mm-hmm. yeah, I still get them. Uh, not, you know, they kind of trickle down to me. I don't get. Them immediately fresh, a lot. Um, but uh, maybe a year or two after they happened, um, people find their way to me. Right. And, uh, well, actually, just recently, a couple of months ago, I had a lady calling me, and she was having a lot of experiences. Really? Um, and I helped her through them. How so, did you help so. her through them?
1: That That's very interesting, because, you know, I, I remember uh, people having a problem, finding people that they could talk to. Like, for example, you and I were talking before we went there about the Travis Walton case, and he had problems finding credible people that, uh, you know, there were there was one group that kind of led him down the garden path to go see a doctor who really wasn't a medical doctor. He was a hypnotist. And the, it, then that entire scenario put a lot of doubt in his mind. Thankfully, he you know, he was able to get a hold of uh, the right doctors and uh, that is one of the most famous cases in any, uh, in any UFO circle. But how did you help this lady?
2: Um, well, she was, had a lot of fear. Yeah. Um, she had no idea what was happening to her and wanted to know if other people have had these types of experiences mm-hmm. and uh, things like this. I get a lot of um, contacts like that. Uh, one couple, they had lost their baby as a result of a UFO encounter Oh a no. mis- missing fetus syndrome and had contacted a number of UFO researchers who were really just interested in their story and not so much helping them. So uh, that's always my first priority, of course, because some of these people are really traumatized.
1: Who can people go to, you know, who have these experiences? And these experiences are, are nothing new. Are there trained medical doctors now? Are there trained psychiatrists? Are there members of the scientific community? where people can go, like, I'm taking nothing away from you, Preston, because you've got a lot of experience when it comes to this. But let's say people don't know about Preston Dennett. How do they go to the right people who will not just take their story to bastardize them through the tabloids?
2: Right. Well, it's hit and miss. I mean, you can contact MUFON, and Mm -hmm. they can often refer you to somebody. But the truth is, you know, you have to do your own research and uh, find out who in your area is looking into this. Here in Southern California, we have some really good researchers like Barbara Lamb, who's mm-hmm. a trained therapist, and uh, Yvonne Smith, who's been doing it for you know, 20, 30 years now. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's real difficult to find an actual trained professional because there are no textbooks on this. It's not in the medical manuals. And it's still not accepted by mainstream science to a large extent.
1: What do you think it'll take before mainstream science and the Western medical community will will really take this seriously?
2: Um, it's going to take something more than we've already given them. Um, we have three thousand landing trace cases. That wasn't enough. There's a mm-hmm. you know a good two three dozen uh, implant removal cases, and that's practically the smoking gun. And people who are have the courage to look into that type of evidence are usually coming away convinced, but it's still not enough. It's not quite available enough. To, and uh, I don't know, it's gonna take more education, more exposure to this phenomena.
1: More exposure, my goodness. If there's a, if there's a conspiracy and cover-up in place, how can that exposure get out so that the, the people who need the awareness and the knowledge to treat these people who are being traumatized will get the recognition.
2: Um, well, we have a problem with the media. Um, it's been dem- demonstrated yeah. numerous times that UFO stories are quashed, um, censored, mm-hmm. mainstream media, and kind of been pushed to the Internet to a large extent. Right. But beyond that, every year, some major UFO event does happen, which usually makes it to the mainstream media. And I think that's what the situation we're looking at.
1: You know, you've got people like Stephen Bassett who has been busting his buns off on the disclosure projects, and, and with all the work that he's done, bringing these um, inquiries to the press club and going through across Canada and the United States with these panels, still nothing. What will it take for the uh, for the president of the U- of the United States to get abducted by an alien before somebody's really going to start paying attention?
2: Um. I don't know if even that's going to do it. I don't know if the US is going to be the one who discloses. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the evidence that we do have alien hardware, alien bodies, have worked with this kind of technology and reverse engineering is pretty persuasive. There's so many testimonies at this point that it's hard to deny something is going on. But who's going to be the first to disclose? I don't know. Tell
1: me about your two new volumes that you've written, not from here.
2: Yeah, not from here. Selected UFO articles. Mm -hmm. Over the 30 years I've been doing UFO research, I've written a number of books, but I've also written more than 100 articles for various UFO magazines, uh, most of which are now defunct. Uh, UFO Universe, you know, that that sort of thing. A A lot for Fate magazine. And I realized a lot of my UFO research has kind of just slipped under the radar there. Appeared in a magazine once and has never been yeah. available since. So I kind of picked out some of my favorite articles, updated them, right. and put them together in a book. What
1: are some of your favorite articles?
2: Oh, you know, it's really hard to choose, um, but I ended up picking some that you know from my older research, mm-hmm. um, some more current. I wanted to give a whole overview of the phenomena, but I'm going to say one of my favorites <laughs> is a phone call from an alien. Which well,
1: well, wait a sec, hold on here. A phone call from an alien, are we talking about somebody from Mexico who went into the states illegally or are we talking about E.T. out there?
2: We're we're talking about E.T., phoning home.
1: Talk about a long distance call on your cell phone, holy cow. Tell me about it.
2: Yeah, I know how it sounds, it's crazy, Um, but there's a number of cases now coming from pretty credible researchers. Uh, Betty Andreessen, her case is really well known and was investigated Thoroughly by Ray Fowler, and Great uh, Case, she received a number of these strange phone calls, uh, often which came on the same day, and there'd be these high-pitched voices speaking in this kind of unknown language, lots of L's and K's and things yeah. like this. And uh, she th- she thought it was the E.T.s. And uh, this happened as well to uh, Debbie Jordan of Bud Hopkins' client, right? Um. Whitley Strieber had a case like this. Uh, John Keel, he was an early researcher, talked about a lot of these types of cases. And, uh, yeah, I investigated some cases myself with the same bizarre thing.
1: I, I, I still can't get over that you actually received a phone call from an alien somewhere out in outer space. It, it, was there any way... What was the conversation?
2: Um, well, um, I didn't, but uh, the people who have often most, uh one of the messages, "Do not be afraid, we won't hurt you." Uh, one gentleman I talked to he was having abductions, and he's having these strange phone calls they'd often come on the same day mm-hmm. and uh, one day he's driving down the road, he sees this globe of light. this is what he always saw before an abduction would happen and this is when his phone rang, and he looked at the display it said unknown number or no number uh-huh and uh, he ended up answering it mm-hmm. and uh There was a voice on it, and it said, uh, the time is near. We are coming. And it was them. And he slammed the phone down. He had had heard their (laughs) voices in his mind. They would also give him kind of a telepathic warning. This time, they called him up on the phone. People often say, why don't you just land on the White House lawn? Why don't they just come up to my front door and knock? I've asked you that myself over the years. Right. So the point of this is they're trying different ways of making contact with people. And this is one of the things they do they can affect electromagnetic machines of all kinds like TVs mm-hmm. cars so why not phones
1: true would this fall into the realm of ITC
2: of ITC
1: yeah and what's it called inter
2: oh e- EVP
1: no 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 ITC where 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 the message comes through uh, white white noise
2: right electronic yeah. voice phenomena i think well
1: okay that's what ghostbusters use yeah
2: Right. Um, you know, it's similar. Really? I, I find that very interesting because there are a number of cases where people have gotten phone calls mm-hmm. from a ghost. So yeah. there, there is a parallel there, for sure.
1: Is there a connection, in your opinion, uh, Preston, between crop circles and the ET presence?
2: You know, I'm not a crop circle researcher. Right. So I've certainly looked into them. And, uh if there isn't a super strong connection of UFOs hovering over these things, mm-hmm. or any indication that we can say that the same phenomena that's causing you know people to see these metallic ships and right. so on is causing this. They're different from your typical landing trace case, um, and the UFO connection is loose at best, as far as I can see.
1: Wow, where do you think these ET- it. where do you think these ETs are coming from, Preston?
2: Uh, Well, that's a 1000000 dollars question. People have asked them, certainly. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the chapters in my book is conversations with an extraterrestrial because most of the time they don't talk. They'll say nothing. But a few people have asked them that, and they kind of give coy answers, Mm -hmm. such as, uh, oh, we're from a place you don't know about yet, or you wouldn't understand, so why would I tell you, and things like that.
1: All right, let me ask you this hypothetical question, and we've got to get ready because we're going to go to a commercial and the news at the bottom of the hour shortly. Is there a connection with the extraterrestrial, this is based on your opinion now, the extraterrestrial presence of today and angelic visitations of biblical times?
2: Um, I think that very possibly there is. There was one lady I interviewed, Mm -hmm. and uh, she was in her late 60s, she's like, Complaining to me, you know, I don't know why they're still coming. I'm in my sixties; they've been coming to me all my life. But they told her yes. that uh, they had been mistaken for angels throughout history.
1: You never know. Then the angels of today, the angels of yesterday, are the ETs of today. Preston is my very special guest. Preston, you and I have to take our news at the bottom of the hour. For more information on Predator, uh, Pre- uh, Preston or to buy any of his books, www.prestondennett.weebly.com. And uh, we'll both be back on the other side as we continue here in the Exome from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away.
0: Great news.
1: Welcome back, everyone. Whether you're a skeptic or a believer, you are listening to the Exxon Radio Show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, on the Mutual Broadcast Network and our own network, the Exxon Broadcast Network and Talkstar Radio Network. If you'd like to send me an email, I love getting your emails, exxon at X-Zone Radio TV.com On all social media sites, we are X-Zone Radio TV. And you can visit our website to find out what we've done in the past, what we're doing now, and where we hope to be in the future at www.xzoneradio.com. Preston Dennett is my special guest, and Preston is a good friend of the the X-Zone Radio Show. Preston has been on with us, oh my gosh, how many years now, Preston? We figure about 20 years we've been talking to you.
2: Um, it's got to be at least yeah, that, yeah. yeah.
1: And, you know, you're one of the hardest workers and writers within the UFO community, so, you know, you've done a great job and I, I know I know you're going to keep it up. You and I were chatting uh, during the news and I I laughed when you and I were talking and alien zoos, tell me about that because, like I said, I know a few people here on this planet that I would love to put that in them.
2: <laughs> I know, this sounds like science fiction because um, of... But, you know, you're kind of stuck with the cases. Uh And there's a number of cases where people have been taken on board UFOs. And I've seen, you know, not what most people see, not an examination table or an engine room or something like this. Mm -hmm. They're seeing these weird collections of animals. Uh, Some really interesting cases. uh, Well, there's one case from John Mack. Um, He had a client named Catherine who, when she was taken on board a UFO, she saw what amounted to a pine forest. She said it looked in it entirely real. It was about the size of you know, a gymnasium mm-hmm. and uh, completely real, smelled real. Um, another <laughs> case is uh, Carl Higdon. Uh-huh. Uh, he was out there hunting elk yes. when uh, he had an encounter in which he was taken on board. And once on board, he saw that the ETs had abducted the elk as well. Now, a lot of these are cases where people are seeing uh, human animals, mm-hmm. but there are cases where people have been taken on board. Uh, There's an Oregon case, Uh, a whole family had an experience, the Twiggs family, uh, where they said they were taken on board and saw animals from, not from Earth, from another place, not from here, certainly. And there's a few other cases like that. Uh, Another real estate broker, Katerina, uh, she wrote a book about her experiences where she also saw all these strange animals uh, that were definitely not from around here. Uh, I, I've talked to a few witnesses myself who've had that experience. Um, were shown animals.
1: Now, t- tell me, so, Preston, in today's society, everyone has a cell phone that has a, a camera in it. Have there been any people who have been abducted who have had their cell phone with them and who have taken pictures of what appears on board?
2: No, but I think it's coming. At least it's not mm. as far as I know. Right. No one's done this. and uh, It's kind of surprising, but kind of not because, in a sense, when people are taken on board, they're often not given a whole lot of freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of depends on the experience. Each experience is individual. But no one's been able to do that. They've certainly been able to take pictures of UFOs in the sky, um, very few cases of UFOs photographed landing, um, almost no cases you know, that are credible of aliens, and uh, none of onboard experiences
1: of uh, Preston Dennett is our guest www.prestondennett.weebly.com and all of Preston's books are available on his website or amazon.com. I understand that there have been UFOs that have been sighted over graveyards.
2: Right. Tell right. me about this, this one. Yeah, this is another weird pattern that really surprised me. Um, I first heard about this from a, a West Virginia case mm-hmm. where these UFOs were appearing over a cemetery um, with such regularity that the local people were actually able to predict it and were going out there on UFO stakeouts and they noticed that these UFOs were targeting freshly dug graves now when I heard about this case I started examining other cases um, Raymond Fowler had uncovered cases like this Uh Jay Allen Hynek Right, and there is a whole slew of cases where these UFOs are hovering directly over graveyards.
1: Now, some, now do they actually uh, disturb the grave, or is it just that they're hovering no, over? No,
2: yeah, they're actually disturbing them. Um, there's several cases where people have gone there and they've seen weird marks on the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, and no one's actually, you know, exhumed a grave that's been supposedly tampered with, as right. far as I know. But yeah, a number of cases with landing trace type evidence. There's one really interesting case where a young couple is driving by just to enjoy the newly fallen snow mm-hmm. and they're going up to this graveyard, this is from Jalen Heinick's case I believe, and there's this weird fog over the graveyard and there's this object hovering over it. And As soon as they notice it they kind of pull over and it sends a beam or something which pins the guy to his car paralyzing him temporarily until it can sort of take off and get away. Really Un- dramatic case.
1: Unreal. You know, you know it's, it's, it's funny that, you know, the, the mutilation part is restricted, to the best of our knowledge, to animals. That, to my knowledge, and, and maybe you can correct me here, Preston, there has never been a human mutilation case that has been connected to a UFO.
2: Um, well, it's interesting you should mention that, because there actually are a couple. Really? Um, not a whole lot, and uh, but there are a few, yeah, that I've heard of in the literature, and there's mm-hmm. one I wrote about in this actual chapter on uh, UFOs over graveyards, because I think this is what's actually happening. I think we're looking at a case of extraterrestrial grave robbers. They're very interested in human genetic material. Mm-hmm. This is something that's been demonstrated on you know, abductee cases. Right. And i think this would be a good opportunity for them to collect genetic material you know without disturbing living people mm-hmm. and uh, yeah there's a few cases of well there was a case of a morgue supposedly in upstate new york which had a uh, human cadavers that had been mutilated by, in a mysterious manner
1: all right now you and i were also talking about the clown the alien clown connection now a lot of people for some reason fear clowns.
2: Is there a connection? Uh, yeah, there absolutely is. I first noticed it after well, two or three, maybe four interviews with these uh, people who describing childhood encounters mm-hmm. in which ETs came dressed up in a wig or with a painted mask face. And at first I thought, oh, this is a screen memory. You know, People remember owls and things like this. But that was not what was happening here. They actually seemed to be physically dressed up this way. Um, I remember one case of a lady I talked to. She says it was very mm-hmm. bizarre. The figure she saw was a full-on Harlequin with velvet, you know, purple velvet, little bells, the whole deal. Right. And uh, she remembers seeing that and, you know, she's being laid out and examined and this sort of thing. So they're coming dressed up this club. Um, Bud Hopkins uncovered a bunch of these cases and uh, talked about it as well. I think most of the major researchers have uncovered cases like this. And, you know, they're not only dressing up as clowns. They're not. Uh, um, other things as well. Um, they're coming dressed up as uh, in suits, in pinstripe suits, wearing cowboy hats and fake mustaches, <laughs> things like this. It's, it's totally bizarre. I think they're doing it to sort of reduce the fear factor, but it's having the opposite effect. Certainly with clowns, it is.
1: I, I guess so. I truly guess so. Now, when we're talking about um, how they dress up, they, you know, and and it seems that they're trying to disguise themselves so that they can mix in with members of society. Are they being successful? And and in, are they actually walking among us?
2: Um, I think they are, and to a much larger extent than I think even the com- UFO community realizes. I sort of kept pushing these cases aside, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, as I was writing my whole series of UFOs over California, right, New York, and you know other states, I kept on covering cases like that where people were seeing UFOs, you know, aliens actually in public places, you know, like gas stations, schools, uh, stores, places you would not expect, subways. It's just bizarre.
1: So I, I remember talking to Charles Hull, and uh, he was telling us that alien ships use planet Earth as a, I'll, I'll give you an analogy, like a bus terminal. They come here, they refuel, some of their passengers get out and spend time in Las Vegas. Now this is from Area 52, not Area 51, but Area 52 where Charles was a member of the uh, United States Air Force. And uh, he claims that he saw this firsthand.
2: Right. Right. he's not the only one. There's a number of cases like that, the casino cases I call them. Yeah. I I put a number in my book, UFOs Over Nevada. Right. And uh, yeah, I was surprised to see how many cases there were. people see ETs in the most unlikely places. One of my favorite was this guy was walking along Las Vegas Strip, looks up and sees a UFO. He's actually able to photograph it twice, um, which the photographs came out, other people were seeing this thing, but he goes back to his hotel room in Circus Circus mm-hmm. and ends up having this really bizarre encounter with ETs. Um, they were in his bathroom and he he's, knows someone's in there but can't open the door finally pulls it open, and five or six short figures wearing shields on their chest tumble over him. You know, they've got large eyes, mm-hmm. huge head, and they walk right through the wall. Next thing he knows, it's morning, and he's waking up lying there right before the, on the bathroom floor.
1: Oh, my gosh. So I, w- I wonder if all you know, these mega-alien UFO conventions that people go to or Comic-Con where they dress up, I wonder if any of these people are really not dressed up, but they are in fact extraterrestrials or aliens. They'd blend in perfectly.
2: They would, and let's not forget, we're looking at a situation here where most ETs are described as humanoid. Um, The Mm greys, you know, they would probably be easily recognizable as different, but there's a lot of cases where people are seeing very human-looking ETs, or almost human. Who could, if they wore sunglasses and a hat, right? You no, know, yeah, they're there, and uh, that's the reports we're actually getting.
1: Hmm, makes you that makes you wonder, doesn't it? Like maybe ET yeah. e. never left home. But what about people who say that they encounter reptilians? They encounter the the praying mantis type of extraterrestrial. Are they, are these figments of their imagination? Or do you think that it is possible that we could actually be vi- be visited by multiple species?
2: Uh, well, in, in my own research, yeah. I, c- I can certainly speak to that. Is mostly some variation of the gray. Mm-hmm. Um, I've gotten very few reptilians. One, two, three. You know, not a whole lot, really, at all. Right. Um, and yes, the praying mantis is another very strong category. And beyond that, there's sort of another kind of catch-all category. Of, Short humanoids or robotic-like things—they've kind of a whole ET parade, which is very hard to classify and pin down. So it's hard to say, but yeah, at least those—the greys and the reptilians and mm. the praying mantis type—certainly, uh, we're dealing with those absolutely.
1: Now, I understand that you've also exposed a Project Red Light. Can you tell us about that?
2: Uh, yeah, this is actually one of my earlier articles, in which it talked about how UFOs were being reverse-engineered by the government. Right. And I was able to actually get some first-hand testimony, which I thought was pretty interesting. Uh, the guys wouldn't speak to me firsthand; They were too worried about security. But it was an interesting story that I was told. See that, uh, he received very uh, high scores on the SAT, which caused the government to pay attention. They wanted to hire him to mm-hmm. do some classified research. Uh, which he agreed to do, and it ended up he had to lie about everything to everyone in his life. Couldn't tell his wife, best friend, nobody what he did. Uh, He told everyone he worked in Las Vegas, but in truth, he worked in Alaska, in an underground base, which tested three things. Uh, Chemical warfare, which he said make most of the stuff that we know about look like child's play, sensing devices, which mm-hmm. allow people to see through solid objects, some of that research which is now coming out, and uh, electromagnetic free energy devices are basically UFOs, and you said that a good portion of the UFOs seen in that area were probably our own, because and that we are around.
1: Hmm. What about underground bases? Are there still a lot of Stories and is there a lot more information coming out about these underground bases?
2: Um, There's some, you know, the research I've done in that area into some sort of undersea base, maybe mm-hmm. underground base in the Santa Catalina Channel. Um, and I have to tell you, I've got a lot of reports of that, and a number of people who say they've not been abducted to a ship, but down into what appears to be an underground base. Um, but that's. Extent of my own research, I know a number of other people have done research into this area, and I do think that there are a lot of you know, military bases on the ground. Right. Uh, as far under round ET bases, no no one able to point to one and say this is it.
1: We're having a little bit of a problem uh, with the connection, um, Preston. Um, just letting you know that uh, that we are getting staggering uh, feedback or information from you so if I ask you a question over again it's because we were having problems hearing you um, we've got about a minute and a half before I have to go for my next uh, break and based on once again your your research, your own understanding, what do you think the relationship between the ETs and humans are?
2: Uh, you know I think it's a lot closer than people realize uh, the fact that again ETs look so much- like us, mm-hmm. and appear to be interbreeding with us, well, I think this points to a very close relationship. And this is what some of the people that I, I've talked to have been told by the ETs, that we are basically them, that we are related to them in a direct way. Hmm. So uh, I think this really raises serious questions about human origins. Yeah. And uh, kind of explains the fact, that, or how ETs are interbreeding with us. And uh, why.
1: You know, does this does this work into the scenario where 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 pregnant ladies are are returning from UFO encounters and they are minus their fetus?
2: Exactly. And I I got these sort of reports early on in my research, right away uh, Mm -hmm. back in the late nineteen eighties. Right. which was, you know, right before Bud Hopkins published his second book, Intruders, which really outlined the whole theory. And uh, so, yeah, I think it does take place, and that's part of it, absolutely.
1: Fascinating times. Uh, This is The X-Zone. I am Rob McConnell. My guest to this hour is Preston Dennett, and his website is www.prestondennett.weebly.com, and all of Preston's books are available on his website or through Amazon.com. Preston, you and I have to take our final break for this hour. Please stand by. Great talking to you. And once again, congratulations on your work, my friend. Exo Nation, Preston Dennett, and I return on the other side of this break as we continue investigating the world of the paranormal and the science of parapsychology. Where? Well, right here in the Exo, with yours truly, Rob McConnell from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. back. Preston Dennett is our very special guest this hour, www.prestondennett.weebly.com. Preston, before we let you go, we, you have to tell me about the connection between UFOs and mining.
2: Oh yeah, this is something I think people have speculated about for a long term, but there's never really been a study on. And so what I did is I collected all the UFO mine cases mm-hmm. and found, you know, good a dozen or two dozen of them and some were really impressive. Um, One of my favorite was these UFOs that were hovering over this copper mine in Arizona. Now Arizona is very known for copper production and uh, these UFOs were very interested in this copper mine and actually went so far as hovering over the smokestacks there. This, This was seen by all the workers and numerous other people and sent down this little ball of light as if it was probing the smokestacks, was checking the various parts of the mine, and had a very strong interest in it. And there's other cases where they've actually interacted. Uh, There's a case investigated by Jacques Vallée up in Northern California. And uh, that was very interesting because this was a gold mine, and this UFO was very interested in it. Uh, Even to the point where the people who were mining this uh, mine, actually saw the alien figures itself. It's it, a very interesting case. It reminds me of the
1: story of of Planet X, where Planet X comes here to get gold to be used on their planet. Is there a connection here with that hypothesis? And what is happening with Planet X?
2: Um, yeah, it's are. You know, I don't know much about Planet X, but I think definitely mm. there's an agenda where they're taking our metals. There's yeah. a bunch of cases in upstate New York um, where there are rare metals and UFOs are being seen there in large numbers. And a lot of cases like this, there was a uranium mine in Texas which had a really interesting encounter where the UFO hovered over it and appeared to actually suck, soak up the energy from uranium because when they actually pulled it out, mm-hmm. um, it was no longer any good.
1: Unreal. Preston, uh, we've got about a minute and a half left. As I said, thanks very much for coming on the show. Continued success with all the work that you do. In your opinion, based on the research that you've done and the people you've talked to over the years, if someone sees a UFO, what should they do?
2: Uh, First thing, if you see a UFO, get another witness. I think that's even more important Mm -hmm. than a photograph. Uh, Photographs are definitely useful, but taken alone... Uh, they're not much help. They're not really proof or even great evidence uh, multiple witness sighting uh, with credible witnesses can really rise to the forefront of the whole UFO field. Uh, try to communicate with it, if possible, um, as long as you're emotionally, you know, okay with it. Yeah. Um, definitely, yeah. Take pictures or photographs. The main thing is getting other witnesses and uh, seeing if we can sort of move up this UFO contact from just sightings in the sky to actual interaction.
1: Preston, I want to thank you once again for joining us. Take care of yourself, my friend. And Exonation. if you'd like to get any of Preston's uh, books, visit his website at prestondennett.weebly.com. That's at www.prestondennett.weebly.com. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news as we continue. We're at six and a half minutes past the hour. Right here in the Exxon from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. My name is Rob McConnell, and you're listening to us on the Mutual Broadcast Network and the Exxon Broadcast Network. Don't go away.
0: Great news! For a limited time, you can get one month free of Spectrum Mobile service. That's right, one month free with any new live.